Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 496. Today, I'm really excited to bring you a guest who has been a friend of mine in the online space for a couple of years now. Like she's one of those people that I actually started out really, I was fangirling her in a way. And then as I got to know her, I was like, oh, this person is actually super, super awesome. So Tarzan is, she's a copywriter who specializes in writing emails that are really fun to read. And her online courses are around how to write story-based copy and make consistent emails from a small email list, which is what we're going to talk about today in today's episode. Because I know that for many of you, you've just started building an email list and you're like, oh, I've got a hundred subscribers or I've got a thousand subscribers. Is it really possible to make consistent sales with such a small email list? And the answer is absolutely yes. So today we're talking a little bit about how to grow your email list, how to make those consistent sales from your email list and what to send to your email list, because that it can be a whole nother, whole nother mindset overwhelm as well. So I'm super, super, super excited for today's episode. It is one of my favorite podcast interviews that I've ever done. And I do not say that lightly. Tarzan is a gem. She's so full of wisdom. So make sure that you've got a piece of paper and a pen to take loads of notes during this episode. And let's jump into the chat that I had with Tarzan. Tarzan, welcome to Social Lab Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You're somebody I've been following for a while. I first came across you in the land of Amy Porterfield. And then I remember two years ago when we I don't know if we met on Instagram, we messaged on Instagram or emailed or something, but somehow we ended up chatting on Zoom and I almost had like this fangirl moment of, oh, I'm talking to Tarzan. So I'm really honored to have you here on my podcast and I can't wait to chat. Yeah, I remember distinctly meeting you because I was like, who is this bitch? How is she doing what she's doing? I didn't say bitch. I liked you. But I I remember you telling me that you had made a million dollars on this funnel that you had and in a really short period of time. And I just had been in the industry for maybe four or five years. And I had seen so many people try and fail at Evergreen Funnels that I almost was starting to not believe in Evergreen Funnels. I was like, I think this is a myth. Like, who I know so few people that make money with them and the people who do are so experienced. And I just, I was really ready to throw evergreen funnels in the garbage and the whole idea of them. And after I met you, I was like, okay, okay, no, this is, this is a code that can be cracked. And she freaking did it. I was so blown away. 
And that was only my second ever, ever green funnel. My first one that I did, like that failed spectacularly because I just didn't ever want to live launch it. And I was like, let's just set up an evergreen funnel without doing any of the live launching and it's going to work. And it didn't. So this was my second go around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think something I remember about our conversation was I got off the call and I was like, I don't think Steph knows like how extraordinary and rare that is for someone to be that successful their second go around. Like, or you were kind of new in the industry. Anyway, I was so blown away. Like, I know now what's possible. I believe in funnels. Like, I, you know, I believe in the industry. I'm in it. I've made a lot of money from it too. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a real good, you're, you're just such a great success story. You. Well, anyway, so let's let's talk about email marketing, the thing that we're here to talk about, because right. I, I think most people online fall into one of two camps. They're either like, yes, my email list, I love them. That's where my money is in my business. Or they haven't really explored the possibility of an email list. They're like, yes, I just need to get more Instagram followers, more Instagram followers. So I'd love to know, like, why do you think somebody should be taking email marketing as seriously as they're taking all of the other things that they need to be doing? Like, why is email marketing more important, or I assume it's more important than being on social media, doing reels, doing TikTok, doing whatever? Well, I mean, the people who love email marketing and know it's such a powerful moneymaker... Well, those are the people that are doing it. Those who don't know yet is because they're not doing it yet. Um, this, so the model that I have, which is a, a like I we sell digital courses in my company. Occasionally, we do a bit of service based kind of stuff, but mostly it's all digital and um, digital courses. And email is really it's like the spine of the business. Everything points to email. And so everything else that we do kind of feeds into our email list, which is like the main hub. So I don't, I don't actually know how businesses can function without it because all of the other pieces, your website, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, your blog, your whatever, like all of that stuff, the purpose of it is to grow an audience of people so you can build relationships and sell them things. And where most of that work happens is through email marketing. This this is sort of, I guess, my vision of how online business works. But I know it's true of a lot of the businesses that have come through my world is that email is at the center of it. And all of the other things feed into your email marketing. Mm, That's really interesting. So I've always thought that my podcast was the center of my business because that's where the hero content comes from. That's where like all of my content topics for Instagram come from, for my email, et cetera. But when you put it like that, actually, yeah, my podcast by itself doesn't really convert into sales. It converts people onto my email list where I can then email them every week or however often I actually have one list that I email daily. And from there, then that's when they buy. So I'm really curious, like in your business, do you spend much time on social media or is all of your energy just focused on sending awesome emails to your list? So in my first few years, I only did email 
And I used to travel all over and I would speak on stages and I would have this big slide that said, I only do email. And I was really proud of that. And, and But eventually, like that's when I was by myself. And now I have a few employees, including one person who's entire job is content development. So because of that, I'm more present on social media and I've hired help over the years. So I added in social media like about three or four years into my business. And I'm pretty sure that it makes a difference. (laughs) I'm not really though. I don't love doing it. And another thing is like, I really feel strongly that that which we really love to do in our business, we will do more of. And email has always been something that I just get so much joy from. Like, I really love those intimate conversations that I have with my subscribers that hit reply on my emails. I feel really safe in the inbox. I feel like it's a one-on-one conversation. And weirdly, even though I have far more email subscribers than I do followers on Instagram, um, it just Instagram feels more public. I feel more exposed. And I do tackle a lot of like really um. I just tackle some really meaty topics and often, and that's a bit scary to do like on the fly on social media. I like to think things through and have these deep conversations in email. And in fact, in my program, email stars, like one of my primary goals for our students that come through this program is that they really can find the joy of email marketing and really find, figure out like what is their sweet spot, how they like to communicate, what key topics they love to write about, what their audience likes to hear about. And when they, when those pieces come together, then it becomes so much easier and then you enjoy it. And when you enjoy it, you do more of it. And when you do more email marketing, you make more money. That's just how it goes. And back to your initial question about um, social media, like I don't know if the same is true for social media. If you just like keep putting more out there, do you get more back? I don't know. But I have definitely seen that in my email marketing. Like The more webinar invitations I send, the more people register for my webinar. The more promo emails I send, the more people buy. Like One of the most common problems when people are launching and something their product's not selling, I'm like, okay, well, did you send enough emails? Like, did you cover this topic? Did you cover that topic? Um, it's a it's a bit of a more is more kind of situation. I mean, I don't need to tell you, you have a daily email list. So um, I do... So it just... I, I want people to really love the medium. I love the medium. I don't even remember where this question started. I love email. Is that clear? (laughs) (laughs) We need to get you a t-shirt that says, I love email. Maybe that could be some merch, like a bonus you give out when you launch email stars. I love email. (laughs) No, that that was a great answer because I've noticed myself and definitely a lot of other business owners I'm chatting to, everyone's feeling really like, disenchanted with social media at the moment. They're either like killing it on TikTok or they're sitting there Mm. thinking, I don't want to do an Instagram reel and Instagram won't show my Mm. content to anybody else anymore. And Mm. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship. Like sometimes I love Instagram and I'm doing all of the reels and I'm showing up on stories. And then other times I just want to hibernate. So for me, the whole Mm. justification behind the daily email was I wanted a list where I could, or I wanted a space where I could share one really short daily bite-sized tip with my subscribers. And 
it, that can be that that's instead of sharing social content that's in sh- instead of sharing stories at least i know that even if i don't show up on social media for a week my subscribers are still hearing from me uh so yeah mm. i think email has been so powerful and i laughed when you said um the the emails to your launch or emails during a launch because i get people coming to me saying like steph my launch failed and i'm like cool so how many emails did you send? And they're like, oh, I, I sent one email saying the product was ready to buy. And it's like, mm, okay, <laughs> we need to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, let's take a couple of steps back though. So if someone comes to you and they're like, Tarzan, I've got 10 subscribers on my email list. There's no point me even sending them any emails. I'm going to wait until I have a hundred and then I'll start emailing them. What advice would you give somebody in that situation? Well, for one thing, I think they should, that person should know they're speaking to someone who has historically not been great at list building. So I have learned how to do a lot with a small email list. I started, like, I made a commitment to send bi weekly emails when I had 37 email subscribers, and probably like 10 of them were blood relatives, but somehow 37 was kind of a critical number for me. And so I knew I was going to make this commitment. And I actually emailed a few people, like maybe past clients or people I thought would be interested and said, like, can I add you to my email list? So I'm like manually adding people to get to this random 37 subscriber, which was my critical number. And I just started. And I think um, you know, a lot, something that holds people back from sending email is that they think every email has to be great. Every email has to send, has to link to some new content that they created. Like there's all these stories that we tell ourselves when it comes to email. Um, and really I want to say like in the, those early stages of just growing your email list, like say getting to your first 500 subscribers, like that is a really great time to practice, it's like speaking on a small stage before speaking on a large stage. And, um, you know, it's a lot less intimidating and it really takes time like to learn, um, what is the unique value proposition of your email, which is, I think, slightly different from your business. Why should people get your emails? Why are they going to like them? What are some recurring themes that you want to come back to? What does your audience like? That stuff takes time and so that as you're going your email list, like just start practicing because if you wait till you have a hundred, like it might take six months and then 50 of those people are like, now they're cold. So now you have to scrub them, which means like deleting the ones that are, um, deleting the ones that are not engaged anymore or never engaged because you only sent them one email. So if you're list building, nurturing your email subscribers has to go like it has to happen at the same time. Otherwise your list building efforts will be futile. So if you're doing one, you must be doing the other. And for me, like I've grown my list through paid ads. That's been like probably the most important way I've grown it. Um, Speaking on podcasts and speaking on stages, like doing PR that's what I enjoy to do um, and what I enjoy doing. I don't think I'm super qualified to talk about list building, but what I am qualified to talk about is making money with a small email list because I've always had to, because again, growth is like not something I've mastered. But um, one thing I love about having a small list and I love like teaching students to have small lists is 
you can be so much more personal. Like you can write a thoughtful, in-depth reply to every single person who replies to your emails. You can make like during a promo period, I will make video replies when people ask questions. Like I really get to know my subscribers. And even today, like I have a task every Friday, I have two hours set aside to reply to, um, to reply to the email replies that I've gotten throughout the week. And my assistant clears, you know, ones that are like, awesome. I think you're great. Like, you know, leaves the more meaty ones. And I just spend that time every week engaging with my subscribers. And what happens is like, I really feel like I know those people over the years. I'm like, wow, I get, sometimes I get a reply from people and I'm like, wow, this person has been on my email list for like five years. Like, I don't know where on the internet you get that sort of like intimate, like long-term relationship building. Um, so once again, bringing it back to, I love email. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a couple of follow-up questions from that. But I first, I've, I've got a quick question for you though. Is there anything that you've tried to build your email list that hasn't worked? Um, well, okay. Well, first I have to say the one thing that people say to do that I've never done is create consistent free weekly content. Like I just love writing emails. Like that's my weekly content. Unfortunately, it's gated and it doesn't build my email list because it is my email list. <laughs> but um, you, your so podcast, what? you read out your emails each week, don't you, on your podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes. I will tell you something fun that we were really excited about that didn't work at all. Um, so something about my, what I love about my email list is like, yes, there's these, there are these unique things. So I read, I have a private podcast, Tarzan reads her emails. We have an audio version. We have like several, like you can select the frequency if you want to hear from us, um, weekly, monthly, or just get all the emails as I write them. Like there's all these fun features to my emails, so I thought it would be really cool to just have like an opt-in page that was just like, here's why you should join my email list. And I think, you know, I'll track the link. I'll track down the link because you could put it in your show notes. Um, so we made this page and it was really fun. It was almost like a sales page for my email list. And it was really cute. And I was really excited about it. And we thought that we would try running ads to it. And I think we ran ads for like two days, but it cost like, $42 per subscriber or something. It was like, it was ridiculous. It was totally ridiculous. Um, but it is something that I'm actually proud of in my business. Like we try things all the time and we fail at things all the time too. And every so often we hit on something that works and like that's is innovation. Like you try 10 things and nine of them fail and the 10th one works and everybody says you're like such a smart innovator. <laughs> I love that. You talked a little bit earlier about unique value proposition of your email list. So I'm sure probably my mm. listeners are thinking like, oh, what the heck does that even look like? Like, can you give mm. us an example? What's the unique value proposition for your email list? Yeah. Okay, great. So I haven't, I don't actually have an elevator pitch, but I will say um, if like people get value in so many different ways. And for most people, when they hear, I have to give value with my emails, the go-to is like, well, I will share 10 tips for XYZ or three hacks to get the X result, whatever. Um, I personally feel like 
it's a lot to ask people to be constantly learning. So in for my with my emails, I think one of the primary ways that I give value is they're entertaining. So they're intensely story driven. Almost every email, if I haven't told a story in an email, I feel like is this boring? People are going to unsubscribe for sure. Um, so they're very story driven. They're entertaining. They're um, really quite raw and vulnerable, and that's something that I've developed over the years. And um, they're also very like we have a high level of transparency in our business. So I share things that aren't working. I share what's working. I share what's hard. I share you know what's easy and what we're working on, what's coming up. Transparency around pricing and what we're doing with our launches, all those sorts of things. So um, those themes have taken like some time to come through. And, but I do, it is what I consistently hear. Like people love my emails because they love the stories, they're entertaining, and um, there's just always like some level of connection there for them. So that's really what drives people to open my emails. And um, this is another reason, um, getting back to what I was saying about just however many subscribers you have, just really going for it because your subscribers will tell you like, you don't have to sit. I mean, I think it is helpful to sit down and think about the unique value proposition of your email list and how that, you know, how that works together with your, you know, the, um, the value prop of your business, but ultimately like start out with some idea of what it is and then listen to your subscribers. Like they will tell you, I love it when this, I love this email because, or they will just hit reply and just say great email. And you just pay attention. Like what are the ones they like? Like people love my stories and they reply back and they tell me their stories. And when I say something that's like particularly vulnerable, well, that opens a door for a subscriber to be vulnerable with me. Um, And that's, you know, that's like five or six years of me collecting data about my subscribers and what they want and now i now i know so you know don't be just to your listeners like don't be too intimidated this will come through with time and it mostly involves paying attention absolutely and i think about the emails that i send now compared with what i sent 3 years ago 4 years ago and it's evolved so much and i'm also so much more comfortable in sitting down and just writing out an email. I never used to be. I always used to be like, oh, what if I send something and people unsubscribe? Or mm. what if I say the wrong thing? Whereas now I'm like, cool, like unsubscribe. That makes my um it's my mm. it takes my costs down a little bit if you unsubscribe. Mm. <laughs> but I'm mm. I'm really curious, like what are some of the big mistakes that you people you see people making with what they send to their email list? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I think one place where there's often some room for improvement is just really basic and clean formatting. Like I emails that are too image heavy or have like gifs that have like no relation to the actual email um or just kind of puzzling. Like I I personally just love like a really clean plain text email with like um, with like, you know, like nice wide margins so that the text isn't too long across. It's like left justified, no weird colors or anything like black on white, blue hyperlink text, like two point paragraph spacing, like 
I really can geek out. I could geek out on formatting for a while. It's also an accessibility issue. So the, you know, the cleaner you're formatting, you're offering better accessibility for your readers. Um, So that's one thing. I guess another thing um, for like, you know, I do have students who are coming out of corporate or maybe they're, um, you know, coming out of like academia or something. And I think trying to make an email that sounds like a business, like, you know, uh, that is not, people don't want emails from businesses. I think that that is, um, there is one exception, which is in e-commerce. Like, yes, I want the emails from my favorite e-commerce brands. I want 40% off discounts. Like I want pictures of beautiful products. Like that is the exception. But in most cases, and even for like software companies, even corporations, like, and like emails really do need to come from a human. Like the from name should be a person's name. Like if the business na- name needs to be in there for some reason, there could be first name and then like maybe a line and then the business name. Um, you know, there's lots of things you can do with the from name, but really like make it from a person. Like people want to talk to people. They don't want to talk to businesses. And especially if you want to really build subscriber relationships, making it come from a person and sounding like a person and not like a person who has a PhD, like a person I love to use. I always recommend my students use Hemingway app and Hemingway app is just like, you don't even need it. You don't even need to download an app. You can just go to HemingwayApp.com. You don't even have to have an account. You just copy paste your work, like copy paste your email, say right on the homepage, and it will highlight where you've used like hard to read sentences, very hard to read sentences, adverbs, confusing sentences. Like, does it basically will color code your thing and will also give it a grade? It will say, like, this is a grade 11 reading level. Um, someone posted on LinkedIn recently about my emails and not about my emails specifically. They were talking about Hemingway app and they were talking, they had graded like this person's writing grade nine. And there was like Glennon Doyle, grade eight, Tarzan K grade four. <laughs> like, yes. Okay. I'm trained. Like they're simple, which is another, like that is part of the value. My emails are very easy to read and simple. Um, but that is one thing that is, you know, for, for your listeners who have like an academic background or have just like maybe come from a profession where they had to use a lot of jargon, like really training yourself out of that. Um, Hemingway app is a really good tool. Yeah. I find that really quite challenging. Like, especially when I first came out of corporate six years ago, where you're taught to write everything at such a level of, and it's almost like it's really um, passive language, a lot of it as well, which mm-hmm. is the complete opposite of what we want when we're emailing mm-hmm. our subscribers. Now, I know like if you're not a personal brand, coming up with stories mm. to tell can be quite challenging. So where would you suggest that people start um, with writing story-based copy if they're not a personal brand? And, and I suppose also if they are a personal brand, where do they start getting those stories from? Where can they start collecting them? Well, okay. Personal brand or not, I think stories, for one thing, I think it's important to distinguish between story and storytelling. So I am very much a storyteller. Like I tell stories that kind of have 
a beginning and a middle, not necessarily an end, but you know, I do add details and I tell a lot of stories from life. And I'll get back to that in a second. But there's also just story. And story is like the difference between I I was thirsty, so I got a glass of water, or I my throat was dry, so I threw some ice cubes in a champagne glass and filled it to the top with strawberry bubbly. Like that, there's more story. That was not a great example. That's my eight, my it's 9 p.m. in Ontario, FYI. Um, story is like those details that bring those tactile details that bring a sentence to life. Um, so that is important and that applies across the board. Um, but I think storytelling as well, I think there's really a place for it in all businesses. I think personal brands can definitely lean more heavily into um, storytelling, but any brand um, using small snippets of story and to communicate like why, like reel me in somehow and tell me why I should care. Like we buy mostly based on emotion. And um, so for that reason, stories are really helpful. And in terms of like actually finding good stories to tell, a lot of that is really being a good observer and taking notes. So because I write quite a lot of emails and I've been doing it for some time, I do have systems in place to um, capture stories. So I create a new Google Doc every month. Well, someone on my team does. And all of my emails, I write them in a Google Doc and then they get loaded into ActiveCampaign. Um, but at the top of every doc, there's just a play, like some bullet points at the top. And all month long, I'm going in and I'm adding little story ideas and things that I observe. And it could be like, it's usually the simplest things. Like I was at the grocery store the other day and I was parking, I was loading my kids into the car and this man came up behind me and he said, I just watched you and your sons as you walked around the grocery store and it just really made my day. And I just think you're a wonderful mother. And this was like, I'm going through a divorce right now. Like everything is hard. And my husband thinks I'm a terrible mother. And that was just like such a beautiful moment. I haven't written an email about it, but one of my first thoughts when that happened was like, I have to write that down. And even my friends, um, even in conversation with my friends, sometimes like something silly will happen and they'll say to me, like, you should write an email about that. Um, so that is really important is just capturing it in the moment, writing it down somewhere. It could be your notes app or whatever. And I think a really beautiful like side effect of that is it actually teaches you to like be an observer of life and to notice things like to notice the the beauty and the mystery of life happening all the time because really you don't your life does not need to be anything unusual it doesn't need to be fabulous in order to draw stories from it like humanity is beautiful and interesting and fabulous on its own without any special thing added in so um, that's just one last thing that I wanted to say, because I know it's really common for people um, that they just think like, I don't have any stories to tell. Like my, my stories are kind of, uh, you know, are like, can be a bit outrageous. Like I've been talking a lot about 
divorce. I talk about using psychedelics. I have been talking a lot about growing up in a cult. Like, you know, there's, I, I just am kind of an outrageous person. So it's something that I hear a lot from my subscribers who enjoy my outrageous stories, but are not, don't feel like as outrageous as me. And I don't think that's really necessary. And many of my, what I would consider to be my best stories are just like, you know, some guy at the grocery store that gave me a sweet compliment. Yeah. And I actually find sometimes the the things that go wrong, it's like, you know how normally we're like, oh, but like, what if this goes wrong? Now I'm like, oh, well, if it goes wrong, like, great. I've got some awesome content. Some of my best mm. emails have been, you know, um, mm. bad first dates, times when I got lost hiking, <laughs> random things like that, where it's like, oh, well, this is going to make a good story one day. <laughs> and like half of the ones that I tell, half of the good stories I tell aren't even that exciting. Like, for a long time, somebody was mowing my lawn and I couldn't figure out who it was, this mystery person who was mowing my lawn. <laughs> and somehow I managed to relate that into an email about how when something good is happening in your business, just don't question it. Just let it be. <laughs> yes. 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 That's. I really wish that someone would mow my lawn because I live alone now and I don't own a lawnmower. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please send that person to my house. <laughs> They stopped. Unfortunately, they stopped. And I had to go and buy a lawnmower and I bought the cheapest electric lawnmower, cheapest battery operated lawnmower. And I realized it doesn't actually cut the entire thing in one go. So I do like half the lawn, end up with a patchy. That's another story for a future email probably is this patchy (laughs) lawn that I now have. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so I know you're quite passionate, Tarzan, about how you've been able to make these consistent sales from a small email list. And I just want to clarify, like, what do you define as a small email list? Because some people are like, yes, small email list, 10,000 people. I'm like, that's not small. Yeah, I know. It's funny because I I feel like I'm still a small list person, but I'm not because I I have over 10,000. But um, I did my first promotion, like my first online course promotion when I had... 750 subscribers. And I would consider that a small list. I think I think for people who are teaching about email um, and online business, when they say small list, they usually mean about 500 subscribers-ish. I think one or 200 would be considered like a micro list. Um, but yeah, I would say anywhere in the neighbor, you know, anywhere between 500 and a thousand, that's a small list. And that's something that you could do quite a decent amount with. Yeah. So when you were starting out and like when your list was really tiny, how did you manage to keep them highly engaged and how have you managed to keep them engaged as you've grown it? Because I know it's a lot harder, like as your list builds, you lose that feeling Mm. of the small list. So I'm curious how you've managed to keep that feeling. That's really interesting because I never noticed that it was a problem. Like I did at some point, like let's say when I had around 5,000 subscribers ish, maybe three to 5,000, I stopped replying to all my emails because it just felt kind of tedious. And I don't know, I was probably just taking things for granted, to be honest, because now I I feel like I I should, it's a really important job and I want to go back to it. But Um, I did kind of drift away a bit from my subscribers when I handed off the email replies, but how, however, I didn't like just hand them off to anyone. 
I handed them off to a team member who is really like wickedly good at it. And I handed them off with instructions, like not, not so much with instructions, but like, you know, I had set the stage and hired someone who I knew would be capable of following my lead. And my subscribers, like they do get a lot of attention, like no, like just like I know a lot of people who are really great on Instagram and they always like something I hear a lot is like, I will comment on every comment. No person will not be seen by me. And I'm like, oh God, that sounds really tedious. However, we do that with email marketing. Like most of the time, even if you reply and say, awesome, Tarzan, love your emails someone's going to reply and say, thanks, we're happy you're here or something like that. So um, having help and like, I still do have that help to cover those people Um, and now bringing it back in and it's needed to be like, I used to just, um, you know, my emails would reply, like anyone who hit reply, like you, you would be in my inbox. So therefore you could, you know, I could all day long, not all day long, because I don't get that many replies. But, you know, at any given time, there could be subscribers replying and to talk to. So um, systematizing it also has, I think, been a lot, been important in maintaining that intimacy, but also for it to not be overwhelming. So, you know, my assistant clears most of it and then keeps the longer and more meaningful replies for me. I have that time blocked out on Friday. So it's not just like some random thing that could like overtake my to-do list at any time. So just like the same as anything in business, like as you grow, you need to, you know, your your old ways don't work anymore. I need to create more scalable systems. Yeah. And how often do you email them? I email my list on Tuesdays and Fridays um, in general. And then there's also a monthly edition for people that only want the monthly. And then, you know, when I'm in a promotion, there's obviously lots more emails, but I am, um, I'm going to try something new. I might go down to emailing my list once a week because I have this real, um, desire to be on Substack and Substack, just for your listeners who don't know, Substack's a new platform for email. It's not really an email marketing platform. It's more designed for writers. It actually was designed for journalists to monetize their work for people who want to have a paid email newsletter. It's just a really easy to use tool and it has some features that make it um, like more of an independent or more of like a you own your people compared to Medium or Patreon. Um, So I think it's a really neat little um, piece of software and it's really growing and there's a lot of buzz about it. So I'm thinking about starting a Substack newsletter that's really just for me to tell stories. Sometimes like I really just love telling stories so much that sometimes it feels like a drag to have to bring it around to a lesson about business. Like I just want to let the story be the story. So it's something that might be coming. I'm speaking about something that hasn't even happened yet, but um I'm thinking about going to once a week cuz I really do think once a week is enough. Like I think, I mean, you obviously have a lot to say with your daily email. And I think even your regular list, do you email once a week? Once or twice. Um, So usually about once a week. When we're getting close to a launch, it'll be twice a week. And then my daily Mm. list, my daily email is like a couple of sentences. It's just a little tip. So those, um, 
those are just like really easy for them to digest rather than the whole lengthy thing. Right. Yeah. So I think that's good perspective is we all get to find our own rhythm. Like again, for some, for some types of businesses, like if you're not in, in the, like, like for an e-commerce business, I think once a month is totally fine. Um, It depends on your own rhythm. I do think you need to you need a rhythm that it that you can hold steady and that makes sense for you because if you like yeah i mean you're saying like once a week and then sometimes twice and like but you know like you are are established enough that you can that you can sort of play it by ear with that rhythm but for a lot of people if they're like eh, maybe weekly i guess like no like set the date my email yeah. goes out every tuesday at 10 a.m. That means you have to have it written by Monday and you can send a test, maybe do a few edits, get it out on Tuesday. And that is really, really important. Just so for your listeners to know, like we're not playing around here. We made it to a place of being a little bit more flexible. But initially, I think like for me, it was biweekly. I was like, I can do biweekly. I'm just going to do that. I think I even set my I even said, like, I'll do this for a year and then I'll check in again. Um, but I put it in my calendar. I probably put it on like a task list or like block some time for it and really like fiercely make that commitment to to um, showing up every single week or every single month or whatever it is. And for your listeners, like if that is the only thing you take away from this podcast, like that will be enormous if you just commit to that, whatever frequency works for you and just do it for a period of time. A hundred percent. I think like the, for me, the biggest, the biggest shift has been moving from sending emails on Fridays when I felt like it or when I had a good story to tell versus Mm -hmm. just sit down and just write something and just get it out there. Even if it sucks, because half the time Mm. I think it sucks. And then somebody will reply and be like, Oh, I really needed to hear this today. And it's like, huh. It was never about me. It wasn't about me having a good story to tell. It was about me just sharing something of value with my list. And sometimes sometimes it doesn't even feel that valuable to me because it's something I might have said 20 times over, but it's just this one person who it's reached at the right time when they needed to hear it and it's made the biggest difference for them. And I think that's probably true for anything that we do in marketing as well. It's not about us. <laughs> it's never about us. I forget. Yeah, I forget. I, know, it's hard I want to. to make everything about me. <laughs> it's, it's it's really easy to forget, especially when we have personal mm. brands, for sure. Uh, I'm mm. curious, Tarzan, how do you balance the um, storytelling, value adding, and then selling to your business? How do you create some kind of balance? Do you have obviously you have launches in your business like I do, so you've got the phases of selling. But is mm. this consistent selling that you do throughout the year, or like how does that balance look like for you in your business? Well, in fact, this is something that I really want to change my business. Um, we're going through a bit of um, just like, I, I, to be honest, I feel like I'm being squeezed through a toothpaste tube right now. Um, we're going through a bit of a hard time. I think it's just, so we've been live launching for like a couple of years now. And we used to have ever, I like, I used to have evergreen products I used to do more affiliate programs. Like I've had, I've just really changed a lot about my business and the way that I'm, the way that I market things and what I sell. 
And um, because of that, we have um, sort of landed somewhere where we didn't intend to be, which is that we're launching four times a year. I have my email marketing program, Email Stars, and a copywriting program called Copy Caboose, and we launch them both twice a year. And it's just like, ugh, it hasn't, it, 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 we've outgrown it. We've outgrown it. And now we're trying to figure out what comes next. So what it will probably, we have a lot of ideas and um, we're just sort of figuring out together what feels good, what we want to do and how we can be generating um, money 365 days a year. Um, Because while I do love being in the middle of a big revenue event, like it feels great. um, Also, it's just a lot of pressure to put on a single product and like all products have life cycles and marketing styles have life cycles. And I think we might be, we're just ready to try new things, but I don't know yet what they will be. Um, other than that, we will put our copywriting program on evergreen and um, yeah, beyond that, I'm not quite ready to talk about it. Cause I'm also not really sure what it's going to look like. And that's, I, I'm in a very similar situation to you at the moment where I'm like, cool, I launch launch magic twice a year, but what's next? What else? And for a while I was beating myself up about it. And now I'm like, actually, you know what? That's really exciting because there's mm. space to do something new and I'm okay with not knowing what it is yet because there's something new and exciting that can fill that space. Um, so I, I can, yeah, I can definitely relate to not really <laughs> not knowing what the heck to mm. do next. Um, well, mm. before we wrap up, Tarzan, I've got one last question for you around selling to an email list. And I know that something a lot of my listeners are worried about when they're selling to the email list is people unsubscribing. What advice can you give to somebody who <laughs> is like way like they're like, no, nope, I do not want to sell. I'll just keep sending value, keep sending value, but I'm not going to sell to my email list. What advice would you give them? <laughs> well, part of being an email marketer is people unsubscribe. And it's not personal. Like we all clear things out of our inbox, but it does honestly, people are just as likely to unsubscribe from a nurture email than they are from a sales email. So that's one thing that's really important to wrap your head around. Like there's no, there. I've never seen, I mean, in fact, some of my emails that have gotten the most unsubscribes are nurture emails where like I tackled something that maybe I wasn't ready to, or maybe people didn't like or whatever. So um, getting comfortable with selling, like as part of being in business, getting comfortable with selling and saying like, Hey, I have something to sell. Um, ultimately like your subscribers do want to hear about your offers. They do. They signed up to hear from you. Like if I don't ever want to know what someone has to sell, I probably wouldn't ever join their email list. So, um, I guess I just want to say it does get easier with time. Um, but you know, you just like uh, learning to sell takes time and it does become more and more comfortable And if it doesn't work the first time and people unsubscribe, it doesn't mean that they didn't want it or that they didn't like it. It probably means you still need to learn how to talk about it. It might mean that it wasn't the offer that they wanted and you need to come up with something else. Like it's all learning. And if you don't actually make an offer, you will never get the opportunity to learn. So I don't know. I hope I didn't wash over that with mindset because I know that it is hard, 
but it does get easier. And I'll just say one more time, like if they joined your email list, in all likelihood, they want to hear about your offers. Absolutely. And also remembering, again, it's not about you. Like it's uh, what you're selling Mm -hmm. is genuinely, well, it should genuinely be helping them. And if it's not genuinely helping them, then please don't sell it. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's you're genuinely helping them to solve some kind of problem in their life. So show tell them how they can solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarzan, you have been an absolutely fantastic podcast guest. For our listeners who want to learn a little bit more about you, we'll pop the link to email stars in the show notes. And where else can they find you? Well, join my email list, um, tarzank.com slash join. In fact, I think that's where you will find the page that we ran ads to that was a flop. But it does have all the reasons why you should join my email list, tarzanke.com slash join. Um, you know, we have free, freebies and things on the website. We have um, a private podcast called The Seven Scrubs for high integrity copy that converts if you want to learn something about copywriting. Um, and we have, you know, email swipes and things like that. But I would just say, like, join the email list because that's where my best work is. And um, if you want to get inspired for your own email marketing, that's a really good place. And it's also just a great place to learn about online business because I'm doing things, I'm figuring it out too. And I'm sharing along the way. Yeah. I love your emails. Like I recently did an inbox massive unsubscribe of everything that wasn't inspiring me. I kept your emails because mm-hmm. I genuinely, I actually genuinely look forward to reading them. They are, they are awesome. <sighs> and they also inspire, they, they give me random ideas sometimes. So for me, that's gold. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Tarzan. Cool. Like this has been an awesome chat. And I'm sure that my listeners have learned so much about email marketing today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steph. Isn't she freaking awesome? Right. So I want you from this episode, because we have so many actionable things now that you can go and do from this episode, I'd love for you to go and write down just one thing that you're going to do today, one action you're going to take today based on Tarzan's episode. It might be that you're going to set up a folder on your notes where you're going to start collecting stories and maybe you'll spend 10 minutes just brain dumping some stories that come to your mind that you can use for future emails. It might be that you're going to schedule in time once a week to send out a story-based email to your list. Whatever that is, I want you to commit to doing it today. And maybe three things from this episode that you are going to commit to doing this week. All right. Make sure that you check out the links in the show notes. We've added links to everything of Tarzan's and she's opening doors to her epic course, Email Stars, in just over a week. Now, keep an eye out for that because I am a partner for this launch. I've done Email Stars. I loved it and I'm so excited to promote it to all of you. All right. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from Socialette, please do tell them about the show it's how I get to help more people. And if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you hit the plus button in Apple Podcasts or the follow button in Spotify to get all of these episodes delivered straight to your podcast app when they come out. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.